My name is Philip Davison. I'm the writer of Lucky's Umbrella. This is a play about a man who steps out the door with two rubbish bags and keeps walking. And he's uh, he's in the shallows of Alzheimer's and he knows this. And it's about the tension between being, on the one hand, trying to hold tight to what he has. On the other hand, it's the desire to be daring and the people around him know that and see that and want to help. My name is Anne Byrne and I play Sarah, Lockie's daughter, who is coming back from Toronto to visit her father. And my name is Marion O'Dwyer and I play Lockie's wife, Belle. It's about a man who's in the early stages of Alzheimer's and uh, so he's lucid sometimes and then sometimes he's not so lucid and his wife is sort of trying to to contain things when he goes off on, on his journeys with the bin bags in his hand. So. My name is Pat Laffin and uh, I've been in the business since I was about 10, I think I was put on stage in a small hall in County Mead and uh, it's been stuck with me ever since, more or less, in the Abbey since 1961. I suppose the play is about... Um not only about this man who has Alzheimer's and is losing his way in the world and and the uh, the way other people around him deal with it. It's to do with how we, I suppose, we how we can help each other in unexpected sort of ways. I think it, when you have a support group around you, the way people can help each other and who helps who when. So it's obvious, you know, I've got friends who help me through certain things, but because of my experience, I help people through things that nobody expected me to be able to help them with. And I think there's an element of that, uh, not not just about his Alzheimer's, not just about losing his grip on reality, but he still is a person. He still is somebody who has something there to give other people around him, be that love or friendship. The idea, it's probably a composite of things. I mean, I suppose... We all start with our own fears, our own tendencies, and you, you go from there and you ask a lot of questions about what might happen and you trade on those fears and try to get something coherent and something engaging. I've seen cases of Alzheimer's and, you know, obviously one thinks about your own situation and your own self and your own well-being and you're, you know, you're both fascinated and frightened of, you know, seeing people who understand where they are to some degree and are trying hard and you wonder, well, how hard could I try? How, how what difference could I make? Um, so it's, again, it's something that comes out of fear. Where did I train? I trained uh, for civil engineering in UCD, which was very useful when it came to acting, of course. And, uh, I picked up uh, as Fiona Shaw said, um, whatever one native talent one had and whatever you picked up off the streets, that's how we trained, basically. There was an Abbey School. On occasions, it would start and then would fizzle out and then would start again and then would fizzle out. So one did a little training there, of course, and did vo voice training. We did fencing and uh, separately, but all the time we were working at night as well. Oh, well, there were a couple of good teachers. Ray McAnally was a good teacher. Bill Foley was a good teacher. Um, Frank Dermody was famous enough at it. Ah, you know. But we were working. Basically, being exposed to an audience is essential as well as being trained technically. 
Yes, you would get a little uh, reminder like that, or you might be told, look, if you don't stop making faces during my speech, you'll get a dig or something to that effect. And that kept you a bit quiet, you know. Uh, I remember somebody did that to me uh, at one point, and I learned to keep quiet then as a result. Uh, of course you pick it up from other people, other actors. It's a craft, after all, ultimately. I trained in various places, really, but I would say mainly my my first acting classes were when I was still in school. I used to go to classes in the Gate Theatre, and we had our classes on the stage. Um, Christopher Casson, the wonderful Christopher Casson, God rest him, was uh, the main teacher, but we also had different teachers who came in. Um, people like Chloe Gibson, um, Kevin McHugh, uh, wonderful actor David Byrne, who also acted in The Gate as well. So um, doing the classes on the stage, I think, was one of the best things about it, you know, because you just got used to being up there and it wasn't as daunting then afterwards. And then um, later on, after I left school, um, I did a course in the Oscar Theatre, which is now gone, sadly. But uh, we used to do sort of weekend course for a couple of years and uh, did a couple of plays there as well. And then ended up doing some Shakespeare plays with Chloe Gibson directing. So that was kind of how I trained, I suppose. But, uh, you know, you do walk-ons in plays and watch other people working, as, as Pat Laffin was saying. You know, you, you, you learn so much by watching other people. I'm from Finglas. Um, I got into the business because I was doing play in Trinity with Jerry Stembridge and Pauline McLean, and there was an ad up on the board near players. Uh, actors wanted to audition for a summer company and that was that ad was signed by Lynn Parker and Declan Hughes. So I went along, I had no idea what that entailed, so I went along. Um, no idea. They had seen me in this play and they thought I was terrible. And I was saying some off company maid and I really didn't know what I was doing. So I went along, but they gave me an audition and and obviously did well enough in the audition. So they took me on and there was about seven or eight actors in that summer company. And uh, there was Pauline McLean, me, um, Derek Kelly, Martin Murphy, Arthur Reardon, Stanley Townsend, Helen Montague, Rosemary Fine was involved and Anne Enright. Um, and that became, eventually became Rough Magic. And so we set up a company. We stayed working together past the summer. We did... Um, Top Girls and American Buffalo by David Mamet and Tom and Viv by Michael Hastings. And then we continued on to do play after play. We got Arts Council funding. We stayed in the project and then we started touring. We did quite a lot of touring in the early days. Did a lot of American and British new plays um, by David Mamet and Howard Brenton, David Hare, Howard Barker, Carol Churchill. And, and so that was my form of training because I'd gone really straight from college into that. So we sort of learned on the hoof. Well, I've, I've had one uh, stage play produced in the Abbey and this would be my 10th uh, radio play. The play I did in the Abbey was called The Invisible Mending Company. It was uh, done at the time that Patrick Mason was director of the Abbey and uh, Ben Barnes directed it. And, it was a very ambitious play for the Peacock and I had a fantastic uh, design with uh, moving parts and very complicated lights. It was really, it was really quite special. So I, I felt very lucky to have that kind of support for my first uh, play. 
it's set uh, partly on a, on a roof. It's about a man who's trying to protect a, a young fellow from mistakes. He succeeds, but at a price. I've uh, taught writing, screenwriting, for many years now. Saying that you teach it is uh, maybe not accurate. I've tried to bring the benefit of my experience, if you like, to a student's work, and I've always believed in apprenticeship. I think that you learn by doing, and it's to facilitate that. So if that's teaching, well, that's what it is. I'll tell you this, though. I found this play very interesting because a friend of mine is very... um, involved in teaching or working with people with Alzheimer's and uh, dementia in a, with a group called Extend, which seems to me to be a fantastic thing, go into these um, um, homes, you know, nursing homes, and teach the people to do movement, sitting in chairs safely. And uh, it seems, and, and it brings, you know, they do music and they do stuff. I, I've watched it. It's, 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 it's fascinating and I think a very good and courageous group uh, to keep doing it. And, of course, we're going to get more and more Alzheimer's and the more of this will be necessary, I should think. Yes, I was in Glenrow for three or four years back in the 90s. And that was great and I was doing a lot of theatre at the time, but I came in here to do it. It was great, really, really good fun and really good experience. And suddenly to be in something and had a good part straight away. So um, kind of part of the family straight away. So I was in practically every episode when I came in. I played Biddy's sister who came home from Singapore, the wayward sister who came home. A lot of parts I played were of women who came home from places and then got sent back if you got too troublesome. And uh, But it was really, really great. We were out on location in various places in Wicklow and um, worked with Mick Lally and uh, Geraldine Plunkett and Emmett Bergen. And then there were lots of people coming in and out all the time. And Joe Lynch was in it as well, obviously. And Maureen Toll was in it also. So, and there was yeah, a lot of people who, they'd done a lot of stuff, so learned a lot from them. It was really, really good experience as well. Yeah, my father was a radio actor, Frank O'Dwyer, and subsequently he was a producer and, and worked in management as well. But um, he started off in art college, actually, he did that first, and then he became an actor in the Radio Air and Players, as they were known, um, in Henry Street, and then subsequently out here. But he actually wasn't an actor. At the time I was born, he, he had taken up being a producer, you know, but... Um, it was funny, he never did stage work, so our our lives were very different, really, in terms of acting, you know. He didn't, uh, he had no, no yen to be on the stage, really. When he took retirement then, um, Dad started being an actor again, which he thoroughly enjoyed, and uh, I ended up doing a couple of radio plays here with him as well. Um, a Bernard Farrell play and a Pat McCabe um, play, so it was great to work with him like that, too. I was a member of the rep for four years here. Um, I think I joined around 85 or 86. And um, yeah, I had done about six months of of intense um, work on radio and doing plays. And then I ended up getting a contract. So uh, it was nice. I was here for four years and did a lot of variety of work here. Benny Caldwell was here, um, Daphne Carroll was here, and Peg Monaghan, wonderful Peg Monaghan. so many fabulous actors now. I'm, t- I'm trying to remember all the names. Barbara McCaughey, Colette Proctor, of course, Jim Reed, Brendan O'Doul. Yeah, they were fine actors, all of them. Oh, lovely Seamus Ford, yeah. 
I was so fond of him, yeah. I remember actually we did James Joyce, uh, The Dead. We did it on radio. So I've danced on the radio. We had the, the floor was covered with boards and we had taffeta skirts to make the sounds. So. <laughs> Rewriting is central. And uh, because I think writing is, it's an act of exploration. I know that sounds slightly clear, but it, I, I really believe that. I think you don't, I don't know any writer of fiction or drama who fully knows what it is they're doing when they begin. So it is exploration. But then I think much of what they do that makes something shine is in the rewriting. It's recognising what they have and then doing something with that. Um, so, and also, you know, not to be overly concerned with things like uh, what Pinter called that most facile of all things, the category, you know, or that I'm I'm writing for uh, this kind of an audience or that kind of an audience. Why not just write for the characters? Uh, that's your duty. I think you should write from what you know and get out on the thin ice into the unknown. It's about being an actor. There's so many things happening all at the same time and there's a lot of contradictions because um, you want a job and you want to get money, you want to be able to pay rent or whatever, but you also want to be challenged and excited and do jobs that don't necessarily pay the best amount of money. So there's a lot of contradictions in it and it's kind of riding those waves, I think. That's, that is exciting. Ah, yes, I made, made uh, 42 feature films. Uh, no, we wouldn't say uh, any of them was Ben-Hur. Exactly, I didn't play the part. Life, but I have been in a lot of films in small parts, quite enjoyably. Most recently, I suppose, Steven Spielberg and Stanley Kubrick. I have a letter at home on the wall from him. I nearly worked at Marlon Brando. I had four scenes with him in that famous film called Divine Rupture, Divine Rapture, uh, in West Cork. I had four scenes with Marlon, but never got to do them, unfortunately. <laughs> I did work with Dennis Hopper, yes. I found him fairly obnoxious, but then, you know, I'm sure he found me a bit objectionable as well. Um, just didn't speak to me. He was standing five feet away from me for two weeks and he never said a word, never said a civil word. He thought I was scum, I think, that was scraped up off the street in Dublin. <laughs> well, I didn't know Mr Burgess until I did it. And then afterwards, when the school kids would start chasing you down the street, shouting... And they're like, but uh, that's all part of the thing. I mean, I mean, I obviously, I think uh, Roddy Doyle's a gift to the city, and I think the characters are marvelous in the book. And I was with my friend Colomini, so it was all right. Has the business been good to me? I've survived. I would have thought anything that put up with me for this length of time, I think, has probably been very, very good and very charitable. Absolutely. And for God's sake, keep the radio going. And in that edition of In the Wings, you heard writer Philip Davison and actors Pat Laffin, Marion O'Dwyer and Anne Byrne discuss working on next week's Drama on One, Lockie's Umbrella by Philip Davison. In the Wings was produced by Kevin Reynolds. To listen back to all our dramas, go to rte.ie slash drama on one. rte.ie forward slash drama on one.